Awesome Friday to be with us here at Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm Kyle Borgannoni, and with me always is my boy, Matthew Betts. Betts, you getting pumped in the background. How you doing, man? Oh my gosh, Kyle. So good, man. Um, it's good to be with you. Good to talk football again and kind of digest the NFL draft a little bit more for a week here. Talking win totals on the, the pod tonight, so I'm super excited, man. It's Friday. We've got the weekend ahead of us, so let's rock. Yeah, t- I mean... Today, all I did was clean up, uh, throw up, and poop. And I know that's not how you thought this podcast would start, but I had a sick child, so today was today was a rough one for me. But I do like talking about the thing that we're doing this week and next week, and that is win totals. And specifically today, we'll be talking about the AFC and some of the early projections you and I had that, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but uh, bets, we're doing what you, you like to say, we're moving the lines. <laughs> that's not i mean hey when you're you know bets and borg that's what we do we're putting thousands and thousands and thousands on the line here on these shows I mean, kyle is just taking out loan after loan to put down on these <laughs> these win totals and clearly the books are responding so i don't know if it's you or the nfl draft or free agency but something's moving the lines and it's probably kyle to be honest yeah that the, taking out loans to place wagers for things that won't happen for another you know eight months is a great way to tie up your money. It really is. So do not recommend that. But yes, we're going to get into the win totals, talk about some strategy and look through those divisions, see where there's some values. Because even teams that you don't like, teams that you're just like, I don't want anything to do with this, doesn't mean there's not great lines available at different sports books to take advantage of. So right now I'm wearing my Las Vegas Raiders hat, which I am not a fan at all, but uh, my brother got me this hat. But the Raiders are a team that if you jumped on it early, you can see where this thing's going and it's it's not going so well. But before we do that, Bets, I want to jump into a quick question. We're going to keep mixing in best ball until we get into June and July. June and July is going to be where we just blitzkrieg uh, best ball and we talk about strategy. We talk about different things. But you and I are actually in the middle of a best ball mania uh, draft right now for underdog. And for those of you that have never played on underdog, super fun, super easy. The, the app is sleek, but this tournament's different than normal best ball. Most best balls you play with 12 people and you're just trying to win that league. But best ball mania is not just trying to compete against those. You're actually competing against 155,000 people. So there's a lot of people at stake here. So you have to think about it a little bit differently So the first 14 weeks is kind of like the qualifiers and whoever wins their quote division uh, moves on to the quarters in week 15, the semis in week 16 and the championship, no big deal bets in in week 17, it's uh, a million dollar prize. So before we go into our rosters, because you and I actually just randomly got in and we are actually in the same one, which is kind of funny um, that we're that we're kind of competing against each other. But how is this different? Like, how do we approach this best ball tournament, best ball mania, which we'll still talk about differently than a normal best ball in terms of strategy? Yeah, for this one specifically, you mentioned it. There's just so many people and they do pay out, you know, a bunch of different place placements. But there's so many people in this that you have to think about this almost as if it's kind of like, you know, the million maker on DraftKings. Like you're trying to literally put together the best roster possible to beat a thousand, you know, people times like 12 and the issue is that you have to basically win your division then you have to win again in the next round against other good teams that also advance so it's kind of like a tournament style so basically the bottom line is you got to get weird at least a little bit most of the time you have to do that in the later rounds of your draft you have to hit on guys like last year james robinson was huge for that sort of thing you have to hit on those types of guys um and really be willing to get different because again you're not competing against 12 people you're competing against a hundred thousand people or more in this type of tournament to really try to take home you know the top prize which i don't know man a million bucks sounds pretty pretty sweet yeah and you got to think about what spot you're drafting from that there's gonna be a lot of teams that are very similar to yours like you know if everybody's i'm, I'm in the fifth spot and teams are going to be drafting and having a lot of players at similar ADPs. So 
I recommend if you're playing in a big tournament like this, um, you know, get your guys, but find your values, but it's okay to reach a little bit because I want my team to look different than anyone else that has a five spot. Like I don't want to, I don't want my roster to be chalk. I want to have a team that is built differently so that if I do get that far, uh, then I can go a little different. So Betts, why don't you run through where you're at? I think we're what, seven rounds in. That sounds right. Yeah. I went with a, a strategy here looking at a very running back heavy build early. And the strategy behind that is essentially you either want to in best ball, especially in these big drafts, is take a lot of running backs later, which isn't great because, you know, you're looking at like sixth, seventh, eighth round guys that we know the hit rates on those are not good or take a few elite running backs early. And so we look across like the entire season, like ADP usually predicts how these running backs perform. You know, it's not a surprise when Dalvin Cook has a fantastic year or Saquon Barkley or whoever is in the top tier and it follows ADP. So the way I build my rosters using these tournaments is try to get different later. I kind of went pretty running back heavy early. So I went with, you know, Jonathan Taylor. I've got JK Dobbins on that roster, Joe Mixon. And then I said, okay, I've got a pretty solid, stable group of running backs. If these guys stay healthy, I can just load up a wide receiver and go from there. I had a couple of values with the Bengals. I guess I'm a Bengals fan in this draft, uh, building a Bengals stack. Uh, I got Tyler Boyd, also got um, T. Higgins there, Mike Evans, uh, and then snagged a fourth running back a little bit later on, Trey Sermon, see if he emerges out of um, the Niners camp. But I need Joe Burrow to make this work, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of putting my chips on the table and saying, what if this Bengals offense is just awesome this year and these guys are all, all high usage guys? I want to be you know, correlating that together. So that's where I'm at right now. But my plan moving forward after round seven is just wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver uh, until I get enough to make up for the lack of quality that I'll have there. I'll just need a lot of quantity to make up for it. And just to educate the people, you didn't go into this saying, I want to go all in on the Bengals, but you saw the values. And then, like you said, does that make you say like, okay, this is kind of where I'm shaping up. And if I'm going to have a team that's going to go the distance, I need the stack with Burrow. Is that kind of like your mindset as you went along? Yeah, 100%. And people always think about stacking too. Is it being like just the quarterback and just one pass catcher or just a quarterback and two pass catchers? But really, you know, we've seen teams where, the quarterback and the running back correlate together. The best example is Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. You're basically putting a roster together where you're kind of putting in a lot of emphasis on one team. You don't have to pick the team before the draft, but kind of let the draft fall to you and say, okay, you know, I've got a couple of Bengals that had great values. I might as well grab Joe Burrow because when they're going to go off, so is Burrow. So you're basically projecting for an entire season that a team is going to have success and you really want to build your correlation uh, that way. So for me, I'm in the five spot and Derrick Henry fell to me there. And I'm probably not going to have a ton of Derrick Henry this year. Uh, we've talked before and we'll talk about the Titans in a second as a team that overall we would like to not fade, but just there's there's likelihood that they don't hit the same efficiency numbers they've done the last two years. But in terms of this tournament, he's somebody that you can ride and somebody in those kind of last three weeks like can win you the whole thing. And so to get Henry at five is actually already a little different. Like he's going usually pick three or pick four. So um, I like that already. And then uh, for my other running backs, I have David Montgomery and Kareem Hunt. And Hunt is just one of those players that I actually, uh, I got him right at ADP, but he there's built-in value in terms of if Chubb goes down, hopefully he does better than he did last year. He had the opportunity last year, it just didn't go bananas. But um, I went Henry and then Kittle as my, second pick. And so I'm trying to get a positional advantage. And then I kind of fell into this. Calvin Ridley fell to me and I was able to get Matt Ryan in my last. I'd reached on Matt Ryan actually probably two rounds, if I'm honest. But I yeah, I saw you take him and I was like, I mean, hey, you got Ridley. Who would, They're going to throw the ball every play. Like Mike Davis is the only running back on the roster that has some value of running like they're gonna throw a ton so I, I don't hate it I think if you have Ridley uh, it, it makes sense you know if you're if you're putting your money there yeah and that, that was the same idea Ryan's led the league in completions the last two years it just hasn't gone in his favor in terms of touchdowns and I know I'm talking like a Falcons fan here but it was just easy enough to see okay I have Ridley I can get Ryan and then I'm going to bring it back later with another piece if I if I can get a Russell Gage or um, if I can if I can get Hayden Hurst, even at the very end, like it's not the worst idea to figure out how to stack my Falcons, but even just that, that in itself feels good. But 
What I love about this is that as you go, you have to figure out the strategy. So I would encourage people right now, this tournament is only 2% filled. Now it's going to fill up a ton more, but, and, and underdog takes a rake, but still like get in, get in your entries right now before ADP changes. And, um, if you want to play with me and bets, like, let us know, we'd love to get in a, uh, a tournament with you as well. You can follow us on Twitter at the FF ballers at Kyle underscore Borg or bets is at the fantasy PT. We would love if you're enjoying this podcast to subscribe and review. I had somebody message me the other day and said, I love that I'm getting content this time of the year from you guys. And it's not just stale stuff. It's actually setting me up for success. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure that this podcast shows up in your feed on Fridays and actually is able to stay with you and get you to think differently about how you play DFS, how you play best ball, um, what you think about wagering and, and win totals and whatnot. So we are uh, super pumped about that. And bets, what are we working on right now? Behind the scenes, what are some of the things that you and I, just in terms of our job, what are we working on? Um, I, don't, I don't know what you're working on, man. I'm working on these injury reports for the Ultimate Draft Kit coming out June 1st, dropping very, very soon. Uh, lots of takes in there on Joe Burrow, Saquon Barkley, etc. cetera. Uh, and putting together just all the content in general for the UDK. I know you're grinding on that as well. So lots of uh, Ultimate Draft Kit content coming out, man. I cannot wait for June 1st. It is going to be awesome. Yeah, so if you want all of that, ultimatedraftkit.com, the UDK Plus it's a one-time thing if you want the DFS pass. I just think that's one of the craziest deals. I think we're kind of still dumb for for doing that, for just not charging people every month. But it's a one-time fee. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hang out with you guys this next season. But let's talk about the AFC. Let's get divisional. That's a good drop. <laughs> that hits hard, man. <laughs> that drop we use all through July, uh, beginning of August, because you know they go through each show on the main show and they or each division on the main show, and that's the same drop they use every single time. So if we're talking about the AFC West one week, that's that's the drop. So you get that drop for almost a full month, and uh, we're going to talk about the AFC today and the win totals that are currently posted. Some of them have moved. Some of them will continue to move. Betts and I put out an article together of our favorite overs and our favorite unders and win totals in early April. And it's interesting how the things that we wrote up, Betts, I mean, those are the things that change. So I guess those people read the fantasy footballers. I mean, it's great content, so I get it. But let's yeah, talk I mean, it makes sense, right? That's what I would do. I mean, that I read it. So tell me about win totals if... Maybe it's the first time someone's thinking about that and thinking about either placing money or just the strategy behind it. Explain to me about overs and why that can be tricky, why that's kind of enticing, but just what's the general strategy for overs? Yeah, well, before we get into like the win totals concept of over under in general, we as human beings like to root for things to happen, right? We like to root for overs. If you're a player prop better, you like to root for like one more catch you know, from Julio Jones or, or whatever it is. You like to root for something to happen, not something not to happen. But the reality is, especially in win totals, you're looking at 17 games that takes three to four months to complete. There's a lot of downside. You know, things can turn sideways very, very quickly. So I think in general, we want to be trying to identify inefficiencies in the market that we can hit the under on because we know that there's more paths to uh, failure usually than there is success. You know, the, the books are pretty sharp in trying to find teams that are, are good at hitting the over. It's difficult to, to do that. It's not quite as much um, of a strategy that I use. I do like a couple overs that we'll talk about, but basically you want to kind of have that in mind in general. Now for win totals, when you're looking at the over, you're trying to project teams that basically are going to improve either as things unfold. So we talked about this, you know, a month ago, like projecting what's going to happen in the NFL draft, projecting what's going to happen in free agency and reacting to that. You're also looking at, you know, what did what happened last year and how did it go wrong? Like, was a team super close in a lot of their wins and they lost like a bunch of one score games like the Cardinals last year? They're a team that could potentially take a step forward. If they win a couple of those games, they're hitting the over. So you're basically looking at kind of what went wrong. How can you project it forward and really trying to look at over a 17 game sample? How can we identify teams that are going to be very, very good? And what are they doing to make smart football decisions? 
that's where I'm going to put my money on the overs. Yeah, and with the overs, there are teams that the public loves. So for years, it was the Patriots. You know, teams are just going to bet on the Patriots, and you know, honestly, usually they're right. We'll talk about the Chiefs and the Bills, which are clearly the two favorites in the AFC is still, um, after, especially after last year. But with unders, it's not sexy. It's not something that you want to root for, like you said. Like, I don't want to say the Chiefs are only going to win 10 games. But that's actually in the realm of possibilities. No, no one would think that, but it's it's really in there for them to win ten or eleven games. And with unders, what are we looking at? Why why are those sharp bets? Well, because basically, a lot of the times you're looking at situations where it can change relatively quickly. Like you can't predict an injury, but if Pat Mahomes goes down, heaven forbid, is that a twelve win team? Is that a thirteen win team? I don't know. You know, things can go south very quickly. The other thing that can change too is just in general statistical regression from a year to year situation. You know, we talk about the Titans, like they've just been so efficient for so many years. At some point, the law of averages and stats and all the uh, the math nerds out there listening are like, oh, I know what you're talking about, bets. Um, eventually, it's going to come back down to the mean or regress to the average. And so you kind of want to look at things that way as well. That's why we prefer unders if possible, if it makes sense. Um, it's just a, a bit more of a profitable strategy, uh, more so long term. For sure. And there is so many outs for team. We You may not realize it, but there are so many different scenarios where, like you said, someone goes down, you know, last year, the Cowboys were a perfect example where it's like they just fell off and injury isn't the only thing that does that. You need to be able to look at schedule and you and I will kind of get to do that more when we get the final picture of the uh, NFL schedule comes out. What is that? The 12th. Uh, We will get that picture of actually when teams play different ones and and just how the season flows but with unders you can see the the picture of what happens and a lot of times there's value there in the unders because no one wants to bet them so we'll talk about some of those let's start with the afc east i'm going to quickly run through the win totals right now according to dk sportsbook it's the bills at 10 and a half the patriots at nine the dolphins at nine and the jets at six and a half so where do you want to start Let's start with Buffalo. You know, I feel like that's a team that people love. Like you said, people like betting the over with them. Um, I've seen it at 11 in some spots. It's tough. You know, I think the Bills are going to be a good football team. They've proven that they're making really smart decisions. But again, this is a type of a situation where there's other really good teams in this division, right? The Dolphins, I think, are a great long shot bet at plus uh, 300. It's actually plus 333. I don't know where that line came from. Plus 300, essentially, to win the division. You know, they're improving like crazy. Every year, they're making good decisions. The Patriots are getting back a lot on the defensive side of the ball from COVID opt-outs. You know, they potentially are getting a quarterback upgrade. You know, Bill Belichick is a guy that I don't usually want to bet against. Like, so there's outs for Buffalo here to not be as good as they were last year. Just, you know, 10 and a half or 11, depending on the book that has it. It just seems right to me. Uh, for me, it's a stay away. I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think if you wanted to bet earlier the over, I think it's getting at the point now where it's just not a great value. It's minus 155 for the over. Um, if it does go up to 11, then yeah, it's a definitely stay away for me um, because I think a lot of people want that to happen. I think the better value is with the Patriots and with the Dolphins you actually in April liked New England under nine wins. That was at plus one eighteen. Now it's at minus one thirty four. That's, I mean, uh, or no, it's Moving at one ten. You're doing great. Moving the lines. So, do you still like this a month later, thinking about what the Patriots have done? Do you still like them to hit the under of their nine? So it's really tough. The reason I liked it a lot is because of how much value there was on the plus money. You know, plus one eighteen is good. Um, I don't know that I love it as much with it moving towards favoring the over in terms of the, um, you know, the, the line that you have to basically put on it. That said, this is still a team that I don't really know what to do with. And the reason is the offense is going to be heavy 12 personnel, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and play good defense. And there's a lot of data out there that says defense doesn't really matter that much in terms of predicting NFL success. So to me, there's a lot of downside to the Patriots just because I'm not sure what their offense is. Like Nelson Aguilar is this team's wide receiver one. 
I, I, I don't know what to say other than that. You know, you're getting Cam Newton, who at this stage of his career, to me, is, is clearly past his prime. If he comes out, then Mac Jones is in there as a rookie. I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of it. So I think that to me, this is either an under or stay away. Obviously, I'm not going to bet it again because I got the line a little bit better a month ago. But I do think it's still the right side of this just because, again, there's more downside to the situation in general. And if they're going up against these other teams that can put up points, I'm not sure they're going to be able to keep up. Yeah, the thing that we in our original schedule projections, we had the Patriots at eight and a half wins. So when it came out at nine, that was about what we had. Um, we would have taken the over at eight and a half. But this division, they play the AFC South this year. And we're going to talk about the AFC South in a second. Like you could easily go four and oh against that division. Like it, it wouldn't shock me for the Patriots to go four and oh against the Titans, Jaguars, Colts, um, Texans, of course. So you're looking at three or four wins just there in general. And let's say they split their own division and go three and three. Like they're in a position where getting to nine wins feels very doable. So make sure you just see if the line moves in any direction, nine and a half, uh, eight and a half with the Patriots. Like that's when I would, that's when I would move on the Patriots um, because I, I do think they're a solid team uh, for them to make the playoffs would actually be the bet that I would do. It's plus plus one thirty two. Uh, right now, because I don't really know, you know, with win totals, if that's going to move, but I think, I think they're an interesting bet just to make the playoffs, but Miami is kind of like the, the sexy up and coming team that people want to like, and they want to root for, but they're kind of in the same boat as the Patriots at nine wins. Is that a stay away for you? I like Miami, but I don't like their win total. And what I mean by that is like, if you're projecting this team, to really take a step forward like most people are you know they're they're making really good decisions with their their financial resources you know bringing in will fuller super cheap taking jalen waddle giving two weapons etc etc their defense has been great um so you like what they're doing but if you like the over with the other teams here projected at ten and a half for the bills and nine for the pats and nine for the dolphins like if you'd like them to hit the over the chances are they're either first or second in this division and if that's the case you might as well just take them to win the division at plus three, three, three plus 333. I don't know why that line is messing me up so much, but you might as well take them to win the division if you like them, because to me, you know, this is a team that I think there's kind of two extremes. Like, I don't think they're going to be in the middle. They're either going to be really, really good or Tua may not be the answer. And I think this team could be kind of bad, actually. So I like just kind of taking the better line there at, at the plus uh, money um, versus taking the over under on their win total. That's how I'm approaching the Dolphins. I will personally have a play on that probably this season. With the Jets, they're at six and a half and the under, you know, has a lot of juice behind it. It's minus 162. Like people are playing that over and over and over again because they're the Jets. Like, you know, that's just a team that you want to take advantage of. So um, they do have a schedule that kind of entices me to think they could get to seven wins. Um, our initial projection had them at a five and a half, six wins. So I'm somewhat interested, but there's just no way that I can trust a rookie quarterback this early. Um, so if you really just say, Hey, the jets, they can go six and 11 this year. And you want to do the under that's fine. I just wouldn't tie my money up in the jets when we don't, we just don't know who they are yet. Yeah. I'm with you. Nope. Stay away from me. All right, let's do the AFC North next. We have the Browns and the Ravens at 10 and a half wins. And the Ravens actually came down um, and the Browns actually went up a win in terms of over the last month. The Steelers are at eight and a half and the Bengals are at six and a half. So Cleveland, Cleveland is moving the lines. They're up to 10 and a half wins right now. Do you like them to win this division? I do. I think there's really good value on Cleveland. I actually got them right after the draft at plus 175. It is now plus 150. Um, you know, this is a team that was awesome last year. Everyone knows that. You know, the coaching staff came in and totally revitalized the culture. They put Baker Mayfield in positions to succeed with tons of heavy play action passing and movement before the snap, which has been shown to be really beneficial for teams. And then they went out and they upgraded in the draft their two worst positions last year. We, we attacked the corners in DFS all season. What do they do? They took Greg Newsom at Northwestern in the first round. He's a stud. They came back in the second round with Notre Dame's uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. Uh, nice. He was the Buckus Award winner. 
right? Last year, like this is a great football player. People thought he was going to go in round one. So just great value. And they, they identified their weaknesses. They addressed it. There's tons of continuity on the team with Baker and Nick Chubb and Jarvis. They get Odell back, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot to like about Cleveland this year. And I feel like to me, they should be the same odds as Baltimore, honestly, to win that division. So you're getting them at, at a better price here at plus 150. Or if you got it earlier, you know, even better. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty in on Cleveland this year. Cleveland's home schedule is a cakewalk in a couple of different spots. You know, they have the Bengals at home, obviously, but they have the Raiders at home, the Bears, the Lions, and the Texans. Like, those are just, like, almost freebies. At least we hope so. You know, this this team had a couple of rough spots last year against the Jets. Um, but their home schedule sets up really well for them to go, you know, 7-2. and two, Or, you know, they're just in a good position. It's just going to be their away schedule. I mean, they have some tough games. They play at Green Bay, at Kansas City, at Minnesota, at the Patriots. I mean, those are tough games away. Um, but in terms of right now, a lot of people have been playing the over. That's why it's up to 10 and a half. But like you said, to them, win the division is probably the better bet right now because it's very easy to see, um, you know, this division just beating each other up last year they all overachieved you know pittsburgh had 12 wins but like that was one of the worst 12 win teams we've seen in a long time especially down the stretch baltimore had 11 wins because they had a cakewalk scheduled at the end cleveland had 11 so i think that'll even out this year uh what about baltimore their total has dropped to 10 and a half so it's gone down half a win um you liked them earlier of under 11 wins which um, you did get some value on that. Do you still like their under or has that changed since the 10 and a half? Yeah, 10 and a half is tough. I think that I like the 11 because I felt like you could get a high degree of likelihood of maybe a push there, right? So if you get to 11, you know, they win 11 games, you just get your money back, no win, no loss. But now the 10 and a half, you kind of have to have them winning just 10 games and in a 17 game season, it's still a really good team. You know, we're, I'm not here to, to say the Ravens are a bad football team. They're great. They make great decisions. They know how to build their roster. Um, they're upgrading potential weapons for Lamar Jackson to kind of revitalize the offense a bit more. I thought the Orlando Brown trade was fantastic for them. So like really good decision making from the Ravens. I like this team. I like the under at 11, but a 10 and a half to me, it feels again, it feels right. Um, I don't like the over, that's for sure, because it's minus 155. Like That's pretty expensive to pay for any team to win 11 games or more. So for me, it's either under or stay away. Um, I just can't, can't pay the 155 juice. With the Steelers, you know, for a long time, we've known the Steelers as a you know, double-digit win team, but they're projected at 8.5. Some books have it at 9. If it's at 9, I would bet the under. Like you said, like if it's... If it's under and they get nine wins, they go nine and eight, then they push. But this team overachieved last year. Their offensive line, we we got to write this up right before the draft, but probably the worst in the league, you know, at least bottom three unit. And I don't think that's going to change. Last year, they just hit it. They just hid behind the offensive line by making Ben Roethlisberger throw it at, you know, two seconds in every single snap. So I don't think they'll be able to do that. Their defense obviously can keep them in games. So uh, that's at least interesting. And they do have some easy home matchups as well that are kind of enticing. But um, if they go up to nine, that's where I am on the Steelers. Um, any thoughts on Steelers? I'm with you, man. Full fade. I, I just can't imagine like in 2021, a team actually taking a running back in round one, thinking it's going to solve the running game. I mean, I love Najee Harris. We talked about him a lot. You know, he's a great player. But this line, you talked about it, is super concerning. They did nothing to have any insurance behind Big Ben. If he goes down, it's over. You know, it's Mason Rudolph or um, or Dwayne Haskins coming in. Like, there's a lot of outs here. And we talk about the defense, too. They are a great unit. Don't get me wrong. But we've seen year to year predicting success on the defensive side of the football is not easy to do, especially in today's NFL. So there's a lot of outs for unders here. I'll definitely be looking to fade the Steelers in 2021. Yeah, that's a narrative that I haven't really given enough time to think about, but because we just kind of already write down like they have a great defense that's going to keep them in like the bottom can easily fall out of, of that team. They can be in a rebuild and whatnot. In just a second. They're minus 190 to miss the playoffs. So Vegas is saying this team's not making it. And so if it goes up to nine, 
in any sports book, then I would bet the under. And then let's end with your Bengals. Your Bengals that you're stacking bets. I They're going to win me a milli, man. Ugh, I just don't trust Zach Taylor. Is he like in his fourth year? It's like his third. I don't third know, of- man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Zach Taylor either. I kind of like him for fantasy, but for real life, I just, I don't know yet. I haven't seen it. I remember when he was the quarterback at Nebraska, like he was kind of a fun option style quarterback in college. And then young dude gets the job and really haven't, they haven't gone anywhere. They've needed a lot of help, especially in the trenches, but they're at six and a half. They're a team that I just can't, I just can't say anything about like I don't six wins is doable. Seven <laughs> wins is doable. Um, so yeah. Do we need to talk about the Bengals anymore? I'll say one thing. I, to me, the only bet here is the over and it's because of the fact that, that we talked about a lot of outs, right? Like if things go wrong with the Ravens, if things go wrong with the Steelers that we're definitely going to be fading the Steelers, then in theory, like if those things are happening, then the Bengals could be okay. Now, again, Joe Burrow is coming off a significant injury. Like, is he going to be himself for the first month of the season? I have my doubts. Uh, more of that in the Ultimate Draft Kit, by the way. Um, and so there's there's a lot to be uncertain about. But to me, I'm saying away, like, I'm with you. I don't I don't know what to do with Zach Taylor. I think there's going to be a fun offense for fantasy, but for betting the over-under, it's just, it's scary. I think the only play is the over for me, but outside of that, I'm, I'm out. In my schedule projections, I will least give them this they have the third easiest road schedule like listen to these teams they play on the road the bears the broncos which is just middle tier the lions the jets and the raiders i mean those are those are games that they can stay in that they can at least you know hit half of those let's say they go 500 at home you can get to seven wins here so yeah i'm with you if there's anything i would do um it's the over which is not something i normally say uh at all about the Bengals, but Next division, and this is this is the one that you and I feel like you can take advantage of right now, and maybe the rest of the league feels this way. Like AFC South is a bit of a joke in terms of their win totals. Right now, all four teams have a combined 30 projected Vegas wins. That's the fewest for any division. It's super low. We have the Titans at nine and a half, the Colts at 10, the Jaguars at six and a half and the Texans all the way down at four, man, everyone's, they actually got bet down too. So, um, you want to start talking about our, uh, our boys, the Titans. Ooh, man, Titans fans are not going to like this. And I just want to preface this. Like I want to be playing AJ Brown in every single DFS slate there this year. If possible, I'm going to figure it out. I don't care what his salary is. I'm going to play him. However, I am in on the under on the Titans heavily. You and I have already placed the wager. We are committed. We are under on the Titans. We got it at um, minus 150. It is now minus 162. So it's getting expensive. I think if it goes any higher than that, I wouldn't necessarily play it. But um, this is a team we talked about all the time. Like The efficiency is insane with Ryan Tannehill. And then what they did in the draft didn't really add a lot. Like They took a, a corner in round one, Caleb Farley, um, who has a significant injury history. He's not even sure if he'll be ready for week one. The defense in and of itself was awful last year, so that just player alone isn't going to help them a ton. They lose Jadavian Clowney. Now you have no one to catch the football besides A.J. Brown. I, there, and if Derrick Henry, if anything happens to Derrick Henry, this offense is going to significantly, significantly take a major step backwards. They also lost Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator, who's made Ryan Tannehill so good. So to me, this is a team that I think is overachieved recently. Easy team to fade here for me. Uh, definitely out on the Titans, in on the under for sure. When you look at a lot of the Titans totals, some of them are uh, a bit skewed, especially when it comes to the, just their pure yardage because they played the Texans and the Jaguars. Like that's four of their games last year that they had. And so you look at Derrick Henry's numbers, you look at this team. And so don't just look at overall totals where teams rank. Like Ryan Tannehill was crazy efficient that he was 30th in the league in terms of completions among starting quarterbacks, but he was eighth in passing touchdowns. Like that doesn't correlate. That doesn't make sense that you would be able to do that. And, and so that's why we're kind of against it. I think, uh, teams can probably figure it out. I do like Henry in terms of him getting more involved in the passing game this year. So I, I think in DFS, there is that added upside that he's just not going to be a plotter, but 
Maybe that's something we hey, hope Kyle, for. I got to ask you a question, man. Do it. Where do the vacated targets go when when wide receivers leave? You know, I've done a study or two. I've looked at, <laughs> at just a couple. <laughs> a lot of times, and if those of you that are new, I kind of did this study a couple years ago. But when teams lose a massive amount of targets, like the Titans are losing sixty plus percent of their targets. I mean, that is ridiculous. Teams usually, we usually think like, oh, who's the next wide receiver? You know, is it Josh Reynolds? Is it, you know, Des Fitzpatrick, their fifth, sixth rounder? Like a lot of times that's where we usually think all the targets are going to go and Josh Reynolds is going to be a value and he might be. But teams usually pivot to saying we're going to involve our running backs more and to actually give ourselves room while we're working in new people uh, to just feed the running back. So I'm not saying Derrick Henry is going to get, you know, 60 targets, but if he got up to 45 to 50, I think he'd be pretty happy this year. And, um, I think it's, I think it's definitely possible. So oh, can you imagine him in DFS with actually receiving work? Oh, good Lord. He, I mean, it's a scary thing to fade the Yeti. We all know this. Like when you're playing DFS, there's one person you don't want to be on the wrong side of <laughs> just bury you into oblivion. Let's go with the Colts. And I'm going to ask you because you're the Carson Wentz expert here. Um, and maybe that's just a curse word to you, but Colts are at 10. Does that feel like a good spot to, to bet either the over the under? To me, it's, it's a stay away. I think the line seems a bit rich when you look at the other teams that have a similar win total in other divisions, but we talked about it, right? Like you're playing the Texans twice presumably that's two free wins we think the titans are going to be overrated maybe they steal a game from them or two like you, you can see paths where they kind of pile up wins we didn't even mention the jaguars right there where they can pile up wins relatively quickly so it's sort of one of those things that even though i don't think they're that great of a team their division is so bad that like there's paths to them getting five wins in the division and you don't even think twice about it right so it's just it's a stay away for me um, i will say one thing though is if you are looking at this line I think the under is probably the sharper play just because there's incentive for this team to sit Carson Wentz if things don't go well, right? And then then you're looking at a backup uh, quarterback coming in because they owe the Eagles a certain draft pick if he plays like 70% of the snaps. They owe the Eagles a first-round pick. If he plays less, they owe him a second. So basically, like if things go bad early, you know, for them to keep their first-round pick, they might say, all right, Carson, man, you're going on the bench um, and sit him. So there is incentive to do that if things don't go well. To me, again, more down downside of the under here. It's just, it's a tough line. I'm staying away. But if you had to pick somebody to win the division, would it be the Colts? Gosh, man, I don't know. At even money, like, it doesn't seem worth it. I get, Honestly, I think the best value bet to win the division is plus 700 on the Jaguars. Am I crazy? That's, no, that is actually what I wanted to talk about next because they're the Jaguars. They just went one and 15. So I get it if if it's not on your radar. And we're not here to pump up and say Trevor Lawrence is going to fix everything that's wrong with this. But they are in a division that's exploitable. Um, they're plus 285 to make the playoffs and plus 700 to win the division. And I think that would be the one that I would take um, with this. But six and a half wins, that's actually someone that I do like the over right now um, because of the division they're in, um, because of the Texans. I think that the Jaguars are in a position to get to seven wins. And right now it's at plus 110. So I actually think it's a it's a fair bet to be able to do that. Uh, the defense still needs a ton of work. Um, so we're not quite sure how that's going to be fixed because they were just run all over last year. But they do have the weapons in place. I would say that Trevor Lawrence is in a position where he has arguably the best weapons a number one draft pick has ever had, like in, in terms of just recently. Like stepping into a position where... You have three wide receivers that can all do work. We love DJ Chark. We love Marvin Jones. And we love LaVisca oh, Chenault. Like, that's going to be a fun team to stack. And then at running back, it might be annoying for redraft, but and it's probably not the best decision to build your team. But between ETN, Robinson, and, and Hyde, like that's a fun kind of trio that you have there. They have no tight ends, I will say that. Like There's room for Tim Tebow to step in, but... Uh, the Jaguars are at least interesting to get to seven wins and maybe interesting to win the division. <laughs> I had no idea we we're going to talk about Tim Tebow tonight, Kyle. So thank you so much for that. Tim, I'm glad you're listening, buddy. I, I, hey, you, you want a short story about Tim Tebow? Because yes. I 
wrote Tim Tebow a letter when Tim Tebow was in high school. I'm a year older than him <laughs> because I saw a documentary on him and I was like, ah, this guy seems kind of cool. So I have a autographed senior picture of Tim no, Tebow in his letterman jacket and it is signed. It is. I'll show you. It is signed. Oh my gosh. Timmy Tebow. I have so much respect for you right now, Kyle. I don't even know what to say. That is fantastic. I'm officially I'm officially a Tim Tebow fan now for this year. Hey, I was a fan then in terms of like, dude, you wrote me back. That's awesome. I respect that. So um, dude was in high school. Let's let's just like quickly just mourn for the Texans and then figure out a way that how we're just gonna just stomp on them this year in terms of TFS. <laughs> it's gonna be so mean. Oh my god, man. Um, yeah, four and a half wins now down to four. Like they after the NFL draft, Vegas said you got worse, and I kind of think <laughs> they did. Like they didn't have a pick until the third round. They wasted it on Davis Mills, who by the time he's even anything, maybe in this league, the team is not going to be good enough to support him. So he's just going to flame out. It's a waste of a pick. Like, yeah, you can't bet the under on four. I don't think you bet the over on four. Like this team is just stay away and let's play against them in, in DFS. Yeah, when it was at four and a half earlier, I think that was the time to do it. But yeah, this is a this is a team. I think the entire league just like, hey, can we just like not talk to them? Can they just like wait a year or two? Or I mean, it's really bad when your team, you know, is in the midst of controversy and everything else. You're rebuilding, clearly rebuilding, and you have no draft picks, like none. As in, you didn't help your team. It's like I don't know, Nico Collins. Kind of a fun player, but not going to be helpful. And you mentioned it with Davis Mills. Like that made no sense. If you were going to be tanking, why would you do this unless you thought this guy's going to be a legit starter? And based on their moves, I don't think that Davis Mills was the guy they wanted. No, definitely not. He definitely was like the last one of the bunch. And they were like, eh, sure. Let's add a quarterback to the roster and see what happens. Yeah, dude, this team is going to be just, oh, I feel bad for Texans fans, man. Honestly, I do. Well, they don't feel bad because they don't exist anymore. They have all migrated and said, we need to move on. Um, I will Sad say times. David Johnson might be a fun player to mix in every once in a while this year. Nope. If, nope. I, what, nope. No, not going to do it. <laughs> not oh. doing it at all, man. Brandon <laughs> Cooks. Once. Oh, I forgot they even had him. How sad is that? <laughs> Check out their roster on our website and go to the Dynasty Pass. And if you look at their team opportunity, their wide receivers make you want to cry. Let's go to this last division. AFC West, which arguably is the most exciting division, uh, at least in the AFC. I mean, it's super fun. There's lots of fantasy goodness here and teams that we talk about a lot. So AFC West, we, of course, have the Chiefs at the top at 12 wins, which is a lot, a lot of wins to project for Vegas. For some people, they might say, ah, 12 wins, the Chiefs can do that. But for betting purposes, that's a monster total. The Broncos are at nine which is a kind of a big jump. Chargers are at nine and the Vegas Raiders are now down to seven. And this is what we have currently. Those could change uh, in the next week or so. But let's talk about the Chiefs because that's where we got to start. Is over 12 too much, even in a 17-game season? I don't think it is. You know, I really don't. I mean, the trend with this team is just unreal with Andy Reid, who you have a phenomenal graphic up here on our screen. Of, I mean, literally going back to 2013, they have hit the over on their projected win total every single season. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. I'm not betting against Andy Reid. To me, it's either you stay away or you bet the over. I mean, in 17 games, I think Pat Mahomes is a 12 win quarterback most seasons, right? So you're probably going to get a push or it's going to hit the over, barring injury, barring anything going south, like those kind of things. So, yeah, you're not going to bet the under. Um, I'm probably going to stay away from it, but if you're going to play it to me, it's the over. Yeah. If they gave me a little bit more than just plus 100 on the under, I would consider it. Um, I don't like rooting against Patrick Mahomes. Imagine that I'm going to say the best quarterback in the league. I want him to do bad. I want this exciting team for DFS to do bad. Like, no, nobody's doing that. I will say they hit the over, but this is clearly their highest win total they've ever had under Andy Reid. So it is a new level for them. But yeah, I think the over is really the only play I would do. They're right now plus 260 to win the AFC, which I kind of like in terms of like having plus money. 
Um, but it's so far out. There's so many different things. I would kind of wait on that line as we get a little bit closer because you can wait on on um, conference titles and whatnot until later. So yeah, the Chiefs, they're kind of a wrecking crew. They fix their offensive line, at least in terms of free agency, the draft, whatnot. Like this team got serious and we like that. We like seeing that this team um, wanted to protect the best player in the league. So let's talk about the Broncos because they have moved a lot and a lot in the sense of I, I didn't understand bets. I was against you, but you moved the line, bro. Told you, dude. That's what I do. Yeah, they were at seven and a half a month ago in early April, and that was plus money. Now they are nine wins. I can't. There's no way I can bet the over on nine wins. So I had my stance early on the over seven and a half, which I like them because you know they're getting Von Miller back. They're getting Cortland Sutton back. This is a great offensive line. Um, the only real question mark, and they upgraded their secondary too, by the way. The only real question mark was their quarterback. And I, I would have loved to see them smash the draft button. Which, which we do in fantasy on Justin Fields at nine. Of course they didn't, um, but they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Drew Locke. Teddy B is our boy here. Teddy two gloves. You know, he's not the, the best quarterback in the world, obviously, but he's better than Drew Locke and he'll keep the offense moving and he'll kind of keep things on track. So I assume he wins the job. Um, if not, you're hoping that Drew Locke actually is good and maybe he is. I, I don't think he is, but yeah, we'll find out pretty soon. Um, but there's a lot of talent on the roster. So to me at seven and a half, it was kind of too low in a 17 game season. But at nine, I almost might take the under and kind of play it again. I, I just don't I can't see this team winning 10 games this year. So what you're saying is you want them to win exactly eight. Maybe exactly. It would be phenomenal for us. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. <laughs> no, exactly. eight would be perfect if you hit the under and the over and you're just like thank you i got the middle this is perfect um yeah with the broncos i just i don't trust lock and i think most people don't so i don't see the value now at nine too much um the chargers are the team that i'm more interested in because you know it's minus 110 on both sides for nine wins so i could see it going either way i could see them push right at nine but right now to make the playoffs they're plus 149. And that's kind of where I'm at with the with the Chargers. When I look at the rest uh, of the AFC, you, you think of the Chiefs as the team that's clearly the best in the AFC West. You project them to win the division. But I look up and down the rest of the AFC. It's like, okay, I only project one team to come out of the AFC South. Like, I think it's going to be the Colts or the Titans probably. And then you look at the rest of this and you're like, okay, they're right there with the Patriots in terms of win total and the Dolphins. Uh, I like them better than the Steelers. So them making the playoffs, I think they're a top seven team. I think so too. I think it makes a ton of sense. And if I'm reading this correctly, this sounds silly to me. They have worse. They're more of a long shot, I should say, to win the division than Denver right yes, now. Is that correct. real? Correct. Oh, I'm jumping on that for sure. Yeah. Plus 600 to win that division. Now, obviously, it's it's a long shot. You know, the Chiefs are clearly the better team, but... Again, if things go south with the Chiefs, if you're telling me I get to pick one team and put my money on it, it's clearly the Chargers with Justin Herbert in year two. And how their draft went, like, dude, their NFL draft was unreal. Getting Rashawn Slater to just fall into their lap to upgrade their offensive line, which they had already done spending a lot of money in free agency to do, to me says, like, you're going to have success on the offensive side of the football, most likely. Now, they are getting a new OC, so there's some change for Herbert and that sort of thing. Um, and he could regress a little bit in year two. But yeah, plus 600, that to me is just great value. Uh, to win the division. The Chargers are a team that'll let you down. So at least know that like you're in for this rough ride, uh, but they do have a couple of matchups that are beneficial on their schedule. They play the Texans at the Texans, uh, which is just a beautiful thing. Uh, so there, there's just some spots for them. They play the Bengals. I mean, there's just, they're set up to get, around nine wins, but even there, like if you're like, I don't know, maybe they'll get to, you know, nine or 10. Like I, I can't sweat that out with the chargers, but the playoffs is one. I feel so much better because of the win total. So let's go to this last team. And we jumped all over this. We were saying, Whoa, Raiders seven and a half wins. I, I will take the under right now. If you're going to give me that half win, I will take seven wins or less for the Raiders. It's at minus minus one ten. And that has changed bets a little bit. So right now um, it's moved to seven wins. 
And how do you feel about it since it's changed? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the seven and a half was the time to play it. I think there's probably some value at seven because I do think this team is going to be awful, man. I mean, just the way they draft in the NFL draft, we know the last couple of seasons has been horrific. Um, they pretty much dismantled their offensive line, then paid Kenny and Drake starter money after taking Josh Jacobs in round one. There's just a lot of things that don't look right to me on paper here. Derek Carr isn't a game-changing quarterback that he can just win you weeks and win the game for the for the Raiders, you know. So to me, this uh, like at best case scenario, at the absolute best, is like a nine-win team. So to get them at seven feels good. It feels right. I, obviously, I would prefer to have them at seven and a half, but um, if you're if your book has it or you can find a seven and a half, that's the place to play it for sure. Yeah, our original schedule adjusted win projection, which is just a fun phrase to say, had them at six and a half. So we still like them to hit the under uh, more than 50% of the time. So the Raiders are just a team that it's easy to fade when you think of all those things you you spelled out. But in DFS bets, we're going to be talking about them. Like they're going to be on the other side of these Chiefs games that are going to be over 50, you know, Chargers Raiders. We talked about that last year. So the Raiders, there could be some spots where Waller, uh, and the running backs are even my boy Henry Ruggs, who I'm kind of high on this year as a as a dart throw. Who are you? I, I I really like Henry Ruggs where you can get him, which is like in wide receiver sixty land. Interesting. So, All right. So don't we'll take talk about it. Ball. Don't even think about it. I'm taking him. He's actually going back to back with our boy Terrace Marshall Jr. in best ball right now. I uh, interesting. I looked at it and I said I would just be happy if either of these players ended up on my team because I like them both very, yeah. very much. So that was the AFC win totals. Next week, we will get to talk about the NFC, get to talk about your Eagles and my Falcons and uh, these other teams. And really, we're going to probably have to sweat out the Packers, which we have no idea what to do. Uh, that's kind of the wild card right now. But if you want to get in on some best ball, we'll be playing on underdog message us on Twitter. We'd love to kind of hook you up, show you the ropes. If you're first time with best ball, our job, what we get to do for a living is to walk people through what it's like to construct rosters and whatnot. So you and I will have much more uh, to be able to say about that in the next coming months. So bets any last words. I don't think so, man. We're working behind the scenes, ultimate Check it out. June 1st it is going to be, Awesome. Go get it today. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.